are going to uh, continue now in our study of the book of Acts. Uh, this is something that as a church we're walking through uh, throughout this year. Uh, this is now the sixth week that we're studying the book of Acts, and we are still in chapter 2. So uh, some of you may be wondering, wow, how long is this going to take? There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. Uh, I don't think we'll do, we'll probably speed up the pace a little bit, but chapters 1 and 2 are very key, very foundational to the rest of the book of Acts. And so we're going to spend this morning looking back, uh, doing a quick review from the first two chapters, and then I'm going to get us into towards the end in Acts 2, verses 36 through 47 will be kind of our focus uh, passage this morning that I'll be going through. Um, but before we do that, let's spend a, a minute in prayer. We just want to, I mean, the Holy Spirit's here. I hope you've been experiencing Him, but I just, maybe for my own benefit, just want to pray and ask God to be in this time. Father, we just thank You so much for Your love. We thank You, Lord, for Your grace. We thank You, God, for Your Word, this love letter that You've given to us, this instruction manual, God, that uh, helps to guide us in our day-to-day lives. Lord, we pray right now that You would send Your Spirit, in, in even in the midst of this message and the words that are spoken. Father, as we read Your Word, we pray that it would come alive. And Lord, I can only say so much with my words, but Lord, your spirit is the one that can penetrate the hearts and minds of people and and result in change and an impact in our lives. So we invite you right now to come. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, open with me, if you will. If you have a Bible, open it with me to the book of Acts. If you don't have a Bible, if you like to use your mobile device or whatever that is, uh, that's fine. Uh, I would encourage you to... Perhaps put it on airplane mode so you're not getting all these little indications and or notifications and dings and all the noises and distractions that come. Uh, a lot of people like to use their devices for even their day-to-day devotions, Bible readings. Uh, I would encourage you to, to do that practice, you know, to turn off all those notifications and things. If you're anything like me, you know, something comes in and your mind just, my mind, I should speak about myself, my mind goes here and there and I start thinking of a, uh, all the things I need to do, and oh, I need to reply to that, and it's very distracting. Uh, but we also have this tool, a lot of the times on these devices, I can just tap it, and all of a sudden I've gone to a, a study Bible that's giving me a lot more depth of what I'm reading. So it's a good tool. Or a lot of people just read the screen behind me, so that's easy as well. But uh, let's go back. I'm going to actually walk us through the first couple chapters. I know we've spent a lot of time here, but just so we can put it all together in one place... Uh, going back in the beginning, we see as the book of Acts begins that uh, Jesus is still on the earth. Uh, he has died, been buried, and resurrected, but he's still here with his disciples, and he gives them this message. So we're going to go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 6. You could put that on the screen and start from there, and I'll read these next few verses. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Okay, so these guys were looking, expecting that the Messiah would come and help to restore a physical kingdom. They would actually kind of overtake this uh, Roman uh, empire that's there and, and bring back this physical kingdom. But then Jesus replies and he says, hey, It's not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but, <clears throat> verse 8, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, 
and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right, so here's Jesus giving them this commission. Uh, we've probably, most of us have heard of the Great Commission. When we hear that phrase, we think about usually Matthew chapter 28, uh, the Great Commission. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And that, that's the version we think of. But here's yet another version of Jesus giving this Great Commission to his leaders, to his uh, disciples. And what is it that he says is important? You know, before that begins, before you begin to go out and be my witnesses, what is necessary? Right? We know the answer. The Holy Spirit. Wait. He says, wait. Because I'm going to be sending my Spirit. Wait. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now today, uh, this message, I'm kind of titling it, When God's Spirit Shows Up. Okay, I want us to think about that. We've had a very similar theme as we've studied through Acts chapter 2. Uh, we've heard a few messages. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Val talked about God's Spirit coming and purifying us. That's an important aspect of the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives. We've uh, Pastor Vinu pa- uh, preached last week, uh, talking about just the power of God and how that re- the response to that is our witness and is our outreach. And I'm going to continue on that theme as we continue to see what happens after this first sermon comes about. An interesting point as we look at this uh, Acts 1.8, uh, basically Jesus right here is giving an outline of the entire book of Acts. Uh, he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So as we study from chapter 1 through chapter 7, basically we're seeing the activities of the apostles and the activities of the Spirit through the work there locally within Jerusalem. We'll then go ahead and look uh, in chapters 8 through 12. That's kind of the Judea and Samaria. It's not just within the city, but the surrounding areas. We begin to see as Philip is journeying out and uh, some amazing things are happening. And then starting in uh, chapter 13, uh, we see Paul and Silas, excuse me, Paul and Barnabas on the first journey heading out and beginning to impact the ends of the earth. And so as we walk through the book of Acts, we can see right here in this verse a very a great outline of, of what we're going to see. Vinu mentioned last week the key message of the book of Acts is that we have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you agree to that? Amen. Good. I want to hear those amens. That's good. Good. We have to rep- uh, we have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do a lot in our own strength, but ultimately, will it stand? No, it will not stand unless we are really dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to, uh, oh, excuse me. As we continue in Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus give this command. Then he ascends into heaven, right? They're gathered there. They see these two men and say, why are you staring up into heaven? You know, in the same way Jesus left, he's going to be coming back. And so they then go in to Jerusalem, gather together. 120 followers of Jesus are gathered together in this room. And they began to pray together, right? We've talked about that. And then there was this time where they realized hey, you know, uh, Judas is now not with us anymore. He's, he hanged himself. So we need to choose another to be a part of our, our core team. And so they did that. Then in Acts chapter 2, we see uh, they had been gathered together for about 10 days. And the Holy Spirit shows up. And what happens? Oh, they, this rushing wind, this loud sound, like a rushing wind, they hear. And suddenly they see these I don't even know what it looks like exactly, but somehow these tongues of fire come down and begin to break up and to, to hover over all the believers. 
And then what happens? They all begin to speak in different languages, in different tongues. Now this was during a very important festival in Jerusalem for the Jewish people, the, the uh, Pentecost, the festival of Pentecost. So people had come from all around, from nations all around, speaking lots of different languages. Uh, they were all gathered there together. And they said that they heard these simple men, these Gentile men, excuse me, Galilean men, gathered there, so all speaking in their language that they could understand. So not only were they speaking in tongues, they were speaking in understandable languages that everyone around was hearing. And they recognized that this was God. And then what happens? Suddenly, Peter stands up. This bold Peter. Is that, is that what you think of when you think of Peter? He does like to speak out a lot. But where was Peter two months earlier? Do you remember what happened the last time, or one of the times, about less than two months before this? Peter is there during Jesus' trial. He's outside. And suddenly this young girl, a slave girl, comes up and asks him a question. She says, hey, wait, aren't you one of them? And what's his reply? No, 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 that's not me. You know, you've got the wrong guy. So just think about that for a minute. Here is this young slave girl, you know, a person of very low standing in that culture, in that society. And he doesn't even have the boldness to confess that, yeah, I'm with him. You know, I'm one of his followers. And here we are less than two months later. Something has happened. And now he suddenly has this boldness uh, to stand up in front of a big crowd of people and address them. He begins to, we say now, share the gospel. We shared that this Jesus whom you crucified, not only was he telling the story of Jesus, but he's pointing a finger at them. You all did this. What boldness he had. And what difference was there? Well, he'd received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had come. He'd been filled with the Spirit and now had such boldness and confidence. And then we, we come ahead and we, I'm going to start actually in verse 36. Vinu covered this last week. But let me just read verse 36 uh, through 41 right now and then move ahead. In 36 it says, Therefore, this is Peter, this is part of his message, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And on that day, in verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. About how many? 3,000. 3,000 were added to their number that day. So when God's Spirit shows up, we see lives are impacted, don't we? Lives are impacted. Now my family, uh, we've been here, uh, part of this church, for about 18 months now. Uh, we've loved every minute of it. Uh, I, I, know a lot, I know a lot of you pretty well. We, we see you on Sundays and in between. Uh, but some of you don't know much about, about our backstory, so I'll just share a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, or I should say a church-going home. Uh, my father believed that if we, he had his children in church every Sunday morning, 
that we would just, you know, automatically become good kids. You know, it was the church's job to give us any kind of spiritual input that we would have. Uh, it was the local school's job to give us our education. He kind of outsourced, you know, everything. But the church, you know, as long as he had us in church, we were good to go. Uh, but the rest of the week, you know, we could, you know, live however we wanted. It was fine. <laughs> no issue. And so at a young age, you know, I had heard stories of Jesus. Uh, I had really did believe in him. I didn't want to go to hell, right? And so I decided at, at the age of eight, almost nine, one day I went down to the front of the church and I said, you know, I want to be saved. You know, I want to accept Jesus, you know, basically because I, I don't want to go to hell. And uh, so at that time, uh, I, I did that and, and I was baptized at a pretty young age. And honestly, it was a genuine decision. I do remember God speaking at that time. And so I made this decision that I was going to be a Christian and I was going to give my life to Jesus. But it wasn't long after that, maybe a couple of years after that, that things began to change. And I made another decision. Uh, I decided that uh, I wanted to be popular with my friends at school. And that decision was a little more important to me than the decision to follow Jesus. And so I began doing things that I thought, you know, people would like. I began hanging out with a lot of uh, bad guys. I just started a lot of bad habits. Uh, life in my home was not good. Uh, in my house, most of the time, there was shouting, fighting, arguing. Just It, it never ended. Uh, my mother spent a lot of time in tears, just crying. She she was kind of between my father and I. Uh, and, there was, and I was the oldest of three kids. And I was terrible, terrible to my younger siblings. Uh, just the way I kind of verbally abused them and was just very mean. And so this went on for a number of years. Now, we were still going to church on Sunday. Right? So I had learned how to act on Sunday morning. I learned to say, Amen, Hallelujah, Praise the Lord. I learned how to do those things you do to look like a good Christian young man. But then the rest of the week I was living for the devil, doing whatever I wanted, uh, you know, living in this very rebellious lifestyle. And that went on uh, from... 11, 12, all the way up until I in 16 and beyond. And uh, there was a time where I re- re- recognized that this is not good. You know, something's not right. You know, I, I, you know there's no peace in my life. Uh, this, is, this is miserable. And this just doesn't seem to line up, these two worlds that I'm trying to live in. And it was around that time that, that our youth pastor at our church uh, invited all of our, the youth to be a part of this weekend where we were going to have three days of Bible study and learning. and uh, But he gave us this challenge. He said, you cannot come to this uh, three days discipleship weekend unless you pray first and ask God to do a work in your life. Well, that was a new concept for me. I hadn't really considered that. For me, going to youth group and these different meetings was a, like a social event. You know, there were a lot of pretty girls that went to the youth event. So I wouldn't wanted to be there. And a lot of my friends that I hung out with uh, would, would go there. And so, uh, but for me, I said, you know what, I really need this. I, and so I prayed, I said, God, you know, I need a, you to do a work in my life. And so I went to that weekend and man, I tell you what, God showed up. Uh, I won't go through the full story, but I sat there for those three days. We'd have evening, morning, afternoon, and then again, evening, just different Bible studies. I don't think I spoke much uh, during the Bible study time. I just stayed quiet. But man, my heart was on fire. I mean, just God was moving. The Holy Spirit was talking to me. It felt as if they had planned the whole weekend just for me. You know, every topic was addressing issues in my own life. So at the end of that three days, 
last meeting, closing prayer, uh, they looked to me. Again, I hadn't said anything. I hadn't prayed out loud. And they said, Scott, why don't you pray and end our time? I said, okay. So here's what I prayed. I said, God, I need to change. And I want you to change me. And I want to be different. And I want to be so different that when I go back to class next week at my uh, at my school, that none of the other kids recognize me. I'm so different. And uh, then I said, amen. That was it. I think the leaders were kind of like, whoa, we didn't expect that. But thank you for praying. That's great. Um, but man, God answered that prayer. Uh, when I went back to school the next week, of course, my friends could recognize my face. They knew who I was, but something had changed. Uh, something in my attitude, something the way I walked. You know, I used to think I was, you know, Mr. Cool, kind of walked with this gangster limp, you know, and all this, that was gone. And I just, my language had changed, the words I was using. Uh, I just had joy. And people began to ask me questions like, what's going on with you? Something's happened. I remember even going home and uh, telling my dad, like, Dad, I've changed. You know, I'm a new person. And uh, you know what his response was? He said, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. You may be different today. You may feel good for a few weeks. But you'll go right back to the way you were before. And uh, I said, no, Dad, this is different. I've changed. And so he saw over time, you know, instead of mouthing off and being rude, I, I began to show respect. Yes, sir, and, and do the things he asked. And uh, began just everything in our whole house changed, our whole lives changed. And that was all due to the fact that God had come in, the Holy Spirit had come, and it impacted my life, and it affected everything around me. Now, we've talked a lot about what the Spirit does, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, and we've talked about kind of this purification. And we've also talked about the the, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit. And all those things are important. Uh, we can look uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Many of you know this verse. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Okay? This is not just improved creation. I want you to understand that. We don't just get a little better. Right? When we are in Christ, when we come into Christ, when we are born again, and we become followers of Jesus, there is a change that happens. And the old is not depressed or less. It is gone. It's complete. We become a completely new person. And the new has come. And I just want to challenge us, even here today, as we examine our own lives. You know, has there been a time in your life, yes, when you've prayed to receive Christ, and if that's not something you've done, we'll, we'll give you a chance to do that at the end. But... But is there a time in your life that others could point to and say, wow, something changed. There was something different. Now, my wife Susan's story is a little different. She accepted Christ at a very young age. And she never had that rebellious stage. She never really lived through that. But she would even say to you that, yeah, there was a different, there was a point in her life where before, you know, a lot of her focus was on success, doing good in school, you know, winning the, the basketball tournament. She was a basketball player. Uh, those were a lot of her focuses, but suddenly something changed, and she realized the greatest use of her life was to impact others for eternity. And that's what she wanted to spend her life doing, is making an eternal impact in other people's lives. There was a, a drastic change in her, and so it would impact her. So I would challenge us today to look at that. Let's look at Galatians five, twenty-two through 23. Again, a very common, uh, well-known passage. We talk about the fruits of the Spirit. 
Yes, when the Holy Spirit comes in, when we're filled with the Spirit, okay, we are purified, right? And we exemplify these fruits. What are those fruits? Fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay? Now, I hear a lot of people say, hey, you know, you can't judge me, right? (laughs) Do we say that? You never said that. But uh, the fact is, as believers, as Christians, we can, to an extent, judge one another. Now, we're not the final judge, but we can look at one another and see the fruits that we are producing. And if those fruits are not good, if they're not these things listed, then it's okay to gently correct one another and to help one another and to encourage one another to live those things out. Okay, These things, these fruits of the Spirit would be a natural... Uh, outpouring of what God's doing on the inside. It's a, a living out what God's doing in our hearts, right? Good. And then, yeah. So, when God works in our lives, it impacts us. So when, kind of my first point here, when God's Spirit shows up, lives are impacted. Okay, lives are impacted. In uh, the second point, when God's Spirit shows up, communities are impacted. I want us to continue uh, looking here at this passage. Um, Verse 42, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right. So there is an impact not only in our own lives, but in our communities. Right. It says in one day 3,000 were added. And then going forward from there as they continued to walk out this new uh, faith they have, this, this power of the Spirit in their lives, it resulted in regular, ongoing impact in their communities. Wouldn't you love that to be said of Living Hope Church? Day by day, every day, new people were being added to their numbers as they saw God's Spirit at work, as they saw their communities impacted and changed. Whenever uh, I shared my a little bit of my story earlier, um, after that time, I started a new practice. Uh, every morning, I began to pray. I said, God, please, today, give me at least one person that I can talk to about you. You know, I was uh, about 17 years old, and I began to see my school in a new light, that this was the mission field that God had me in. And so I was just praying each and every morning, God, give me an opportunity, to at least one person a day, to talk to. And you'd be amazed. Uh, it it wasn't like, you know, at the end of the day, I thought, oh, no, I haven't talked to someone. You know, I need to try to find someone. It became such a natural thing. Uh, people were coming to me. I remember a couple of instances. One, I was in the washroom, you know, washing my hands. And someone walks up and says, hey, you're a, you're a believer. You're a follower of Jesus, right? I need to talk to you. Uh, th- those kinds of things, you know, in class, people would, you know, we might be doing some work. And they'd say, hey, you know, I have a question for you. Aren't you a Christian? Uh, this kind of thing just started happening on a regular basis because uh, not only was I impacted, but again, it was it was impacting people around me and they were noticing. Uh, many of you have been a part of the Harvest trainings that we've 
been doing. We started last year in February, so about a year ago. Uh, we did eight weeks of that on Friday evenings, and we did another eight weeks in the fall season. So when was that, October or so? Many of you have been a part of those. One of the things we talk a lot about in those is, you know, it is an evangelism training. We're, we're giving some practical tools for how to start conversations with people, how to start spiritual conversations, and how to move that into sharing the gospel. But I know for myself, and I've shared this in our Harvest trainings, I don't like this word evangelism. It's, uh, it causes me to tense up and feel nervous, and I think, oh, I have to go and talk to strangers. I don't know about that. I'm not comfortable. But when I think of it in a different light, when I think about it as, you know, how can we love on our community? How can we love on people around us? All of a sudden, my, my thinking changes. Oh, I like that. I like to show love to people. I like to demonstrate love and care for others. And so then I suddenly feel an excitement. So as we talk about and look at our own lives, you know, how are we impacting the people that we're around? Everyone in here has influence. Some of you know you have a lot of influence. Maybe you're high up in your role, your job, and you, yeah, you have a lot of influence. Uh, but others you might think, well, you know, what influence do I have? But think about the friends, your neighbors, the people you're around. You know, they see your lives. They see the way that you live and the, the way you act. You know, think about the way you treat people around you. You know, when the, if there's a regular shop where you buy your groceries, you know, they might accidentally give you too much change and you give it back to them and say, oh, there's been a mistake. And they just see these acts of kindness and honesty in your workplace, you know, when there's opportunities to take advantage or to cheat, you know, turn in receipts that you probably shouldn't be turning in, those kinds of things. And they see that you have this integrity. You, you can begin to see your workplace changed and impacted. Amen? Good. Are we awake? Cool. So when God's Spirit shows up, lives are impacted. Right? When God's Spirit shows up, communities, entire communities are impacted. And finally, we're going to look at that when Spirit of God shows up, that the church is impacted. Right? The church is impacted. So what is the church? That would be a good question to talk about. What is the church? Who, who has a good definition? I, I looked it up online because... You know, I didn't know what the church was, right? No, I looked in Merriam-Webster Dictionary, popular dictionary. Here's their definition of a church. They say that a church is a building for public and especially Christian worship. What do you guys think of that? A building for worship, especially Christians, right? <laughs> All right, so this place where we meet, you know, is this our church? Is this building the bride of Christ, you know, the body of Christ? Is this what we're... Is this what we are as a church? No. Well, let me look at another source. Uh, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Uh, he gives his definition of church as a community of all true believers for all time. A community of all true believers for all time. So we look at the church in different ways. The church is the worldwide body of all believers from the time of Christ until the end. Right? These are all, we're all part of the church. But within that, we do come to church, right, on Sundays. We do gather together. This is our local church where we gather and fellowship and do all those things. This is our church. And the amazing thing, as in this passage as we read, when the Spirit came, these 3,000 people were added in one day. So how, where were they at? They were 120 plus 3,000. So we got instantly a church of 3,120 people. Wow. Uh, pretty awesome. Yet here they are as an outpouring of the Spirit, what God was doing in their lives, 
They begin meeting together and doing all these things we discussed, fellowshipping, praying. And it's interesting, here we are 2,000 years later, and uh, I'm you know, spending a lot of my life working, especially in North India, working with pastors, church planters, teaching them what it looks like to do church. What is church? How do we do church? What are the important aspects of church? And where do we go to look at, to find a good, healthy church? Right back here. Right here in Acts chapter 2. Just this week, I met with Pastor Joseph. Many of you know Pastor Joseph. He leads the Hindi work for Living Hope. And they've got several congregations in Marathi. And he had gathered some of his leaders. And I said, let's talk about the churches that you all are leading. I'd like us to look and see how healthy are they? You know, are they, are they growing? Are they healthy? How mature are they? Are they still kind of little baby churches or just getting started? Or are they, have they matured? And so we, we came here and we looked in Acts chapter 2 and began to walk through this passage that we've just read today and then look at each of their churches and measure where are we at in each of these areas. So what I'm going to do for most of the rest of the time is I want us to read back through this and I'm going to give us a list of 12 important uh, factors for a healthy church. Okay, I want us to walk through these. We'll go through them kind of quickly. Uh, don't worry, I'm not. Each one of these points is a whole sermon by itself, right? So we're not going to spend a lot of time on each. But I would like us to look at these twelve factors. I, I think about it like a if you go into the doctor's office for a physical checkup, and he's got a, a, a list of all these different you know systems and organs, and you know he's going to check your ears and eyes and nose and see you know how healthy are you. And at the end of that. You'll be able to see where are the weaknesses, where are the things you need to work on, where are your strengths. In the same way, I'd like us to look at our church. And as we look at our own church, I'm going to challenge you all. Many of you are involved in life groups. I'd like you, especially those life group leaders, think about your own life groups. Because the life group is an extension of the local church. You know, we're not calling it a church, but we are gathering weekly. We're, we're studying the Bible. We're doing a lot of these things. And how healthy are your life groups as well? So let's go back in, in 36, if you don't mind to put on the overhead. Verse 36 will give you the first, first point. This is Peter again. He says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So I would say the first point that's very important for a good, healthy church is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. You should be able to look at your own church or this church, at your life group, and say, you know, are we as a church and, and as individuals, can we tell, is there evidence that Jesus is our Lord? That we make decisions based on that? We, the things we do, our actions, the way we act. Can we see evidence of the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Number two, reading further down in verse 30, uh, 37, the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the others, brothers, what should we do? And then Peter said, repent. First thing he says is repent. So you can write that. That's the second thing that we see in a healthy church is this is repentance. And what do we mean by repentance? It doesn't just mean saying I'm sorry, although that's important. Right? Forgiveness is different. Repentance means a change of mind, a change of direction. It's doing a 180 and going the other way. You know, I was living a certain way. I was living a life of rebellion. I was not walking according to God's ways. And I recognized my need for change. I repented and I began to go the other way. So in our churches, for them to be good, healthy churches, we need to see this repentance is a, is a key part. And it's taught to our people. Number three, okay, Peter said, repent and be baptized. Okay, baptism. 
are people getting baptized? Uh, we, as a core team, we met this week and we talked a lot about baptism. You know, when is the appropriate time? Who should we be baptized? Uh, we won't get into that today, but it is a key part of our church and our health that people are being baptized as not just as, as an outward expression of their faith. Uh, I want to be clear because a lot of people have come from different church backgrounds, different, um, you know, I don't know what your experience was, but I will say that this church believes and teaches that we are not saved through the act of baptism. Okay? Going under the water and coming out is not what saves us. It is putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, repenting, following after Him. These are signs. These are the things that are necessary for salvation. So then are we saying baptism isn't all that important? No. Obviously, it's very important. We see this as kind of a first act of obedience for believers. And as you study through the book of Acts and you see time after time people are baptized, it's always immediately. They see that this is an important thing to do, to do this uh, outward expression, saying, yes, I'm a believer. You know, our decision, our prayer is an inward thing, but our baptism is an outward expression of our faith in Jesus. And I know there's a lot of issues, um, even in this culture and different places. Uh, those We can talk about those another time, but we do know baptism is key. So that would be the third important aspect. In the same verse, 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the fourth key uh, ingredient that you need in a good, healthy church is the Holy Spirit. I don't need to spend a lot of time on this. We've been preaching about it for six weeks. right? We've been talking about it today. The Holy Spirit. Is there evidence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the people? Is the Holy Spirit guiding what we do? Uh, we talk about uh, in a lot of our churches uh, in the north, You know, what is the authorities in your church? What is it that's guiding what you do? Okay, We have this authority, the Word of God, and we have the Holy Spirit. Both are key. So moving on, let's go down to verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. teaching. So I would put there the Word of God, because at the time they didn't have the New Testament written. Uh, a lot of what is in our New Testament today was the teaching of the apostles, and they've written many of those letters. So the Word of God, good teaching. Okay, What are the authorities in the church? Is it is it just the Holy Spirit? Now, no, we know that Jesus is the head of the church. Okay, that's not in question. But where, what is our authority? It's the Word of God, and it's the Spirit of God. Now, I've been in a lot of churches, and I've seen in a lot of churches you either have a strong emphasis on one or a strong emphasis on the other. It's, it's rare to find a church, and I would say this is one that has a healthy balance of both. Oftentimes, churches get real excited about the Spirit, and they're just chasing after that. And you don't hear much taught from this book. There might be a few good encouraging words shared, but we're really just trying to get this feel-good experience of the Holy Spirit, right? Well, that's not very healthy. We need to make sure we have a strong teaching from the Word of God. I've been in a lot of other churches, really strong teaching, a lot of emphasis on the Word of God, but we just kind of leave the Holy Spirit out of most of our services because He's unpredictable, right? We can't control the Spirit. We don't know what's going to happen. It's better just to leave it out. And I would say that's not, that's not a healthy church. If we're not expecting the Spirit to come, if we're not willing for it to get a little messy at times, uh, because when the Spirit comes, things happen, and we don't always know. But we're going to trust 
and, and work through it. And we're going to use this book as our guide to make sure we're not going outside the bounds of Scripture as we allow the Spirit to work in our midst. Good. So number five is the Word of God. Next, number six, uh, the same verse. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So fellowship would be next. This is so key. I was just talking to someone earlier in the earlier service about the need for fellowship. Uh, person's struggling a bit, and you know they're they're coming on Sunday. They, they actually related a lot to the story I shared. You know they're coming on Sundays and they like church, but the rest of the week they're just struggling, having a hard time living it out. And I just said, "What? How's your fellowship with others? You know, are you regularly meeting with other people, other believers? Because." If you're just relying on this hour and a half a week thing, it's really not enough. You know, you need to be spending time with the Lord regularly on your own, but also being around other people. You know, here I've been a believer since I was, you know, a solid born-again believer since I was 16, 17, I would say, right around that age. I'm 42 now. Uh, I still meet regularly with people. Uh, weekly, sometimes it's every other week, uh, where I sit down and say, hey, hold me accountable. Ask me questions. You know, help me walk through this thing because it's hard. The world we live in is pulling us in every direction imaginable. It is difficult to live this life out. There's a spiritual warfare going on around us. And so fellowship is really key. And a part of fellowship is, and this is not another word, but this is part of fellowship, is hospitality. So we ourselves need to fellowship with others, but we often need to reach out to people and bring them into our fellowship. So thinking about within the church, that we're hospitable, we're caring for others, we're inviting them over, we're having meals together. Uh, This is such a key part of a church and of staying a good, strong, healthy church. Okay, moving ahead. Uh, Breaking of bread would be next. The Lord's Supper, communion. You can label it however you want. I'm reading from verse 42 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And to prayer. Go ahead and write that down as well. Prayer. This is another key ingredient. And like I said, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in each of these. Uh, this is a praying church. I'm really thankful. Uh, I remember the first time I came here to visit before we had moved here. It was a few years back during the week, or excuse me, the 40 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, I was so impressed just to see the number of people that were in the office regularly praying. Uh, and I, I heard this testimony from Vinu then, and he shared it again, uh, that every time during that 40 days of prayer and fasting, there's some kind of big breakthrough that happens in the church. Hey, we know that prayer works. We heard testimonies this morning. Prayer works. And we need for that to be really foundational of all we do in the church. Okay? Number 9. I'm going to read verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Okay? Now, this is not the first thing, again, that we're just chasing after. This is our main focus, is to try to you know, make these things happen. Again, this is just a natural outpouring of when the, when the Spirit of God is at work in our midst. We're going to see things like this. We're going to see people healed. Uh, what a great testimony. Several testimonies this morning of, of God intervening at just the right time. And if you're meeting regularly or part of a church and you're not seeing any kind of signs of the Spirit at work and these signs and wonders happening, then I would question, you know, is this really a good, healthy church? And how can we be pursuing those things? All right, we're getting through. Number 10, I'm going to read on verses 45 and 46. They sold property and possessions to, uh, to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So the word I would use here is giving. Are you a giving church? Right? So, uh, we had our offering time earlier. We, we often use the terms of the offering or the tithe. Right In the Old Testament it was very clear the tithe was 10% of your income. And that could be crops and grain or whatever your, your area of work was or it could be cash, money. But what is the, uh, what's the New Testament tithe? What do we find in the New Testament? Nobody wants to say. <laughs> it got real quiet real fast. What, is it, what do we find in the New Testament? Well, I remember one story. There was a young man who came to Jesus. He was a very righteous man. And he asked Jesus what he needed to do to be saved. And he said, yeah, I followed all the commandments. And then Jesus told him what? He said, go sell everything you own, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. Wasn't that like 100%? I think I'm not great at math, but it's like all? Sell everything, right? Give it all away and then come follow me. Okay, so there's no hard and fast rule in the New Testament that we, we have to give everything away. We do see examples also the, the, the lady, the very poor lady that gave a small amount, right? And then the, the wealthy person comes and puts in their large amount. What did Jesus say? He said the gift, the small amount was, was greater, right? Because it's all about our heart. We know that we're to be cheerful givers, we're supposed to be giving with an attitude of loving and caring. And in this example, we see it wasn't about just giving money in the offering. It was about caring for one another. You know, when people had needs, meeting those needs. Okay, we'll go through these last few quickly. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. So we say worship, praise, praise and worship. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Okay, yeah, this is a great, great worshiping church. We won't spend time on that. Finally, the last one comes in our verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Added to their number daily. So there's a couple of words I would use here to describe this. One would be discipleship as we're talking about within the church, that we're growing, we're building one another up, we're adding, but then also outreach, right? Outreach. I think uh, when I was younger in my faith, I remember reading this passage, and I kind of had this picture of like the compound mentality. You might think of some of the old missionaries came, and they established these compounds with big walls around them, and that's where all the Christians live together. And, and you know, they probably had good intentions. It probably was meant to look a lot like Acts chapter 2. But what I found in our work in the north, often those compounds were almost like walls, like we don't go outside of there. That's the world. Uh, Christians would say, don't go out, don't go there, it's not safe, you shouldn't do this. Uh, the amount of fear that we felt as we talked within the Christian community. But they had this safe haven, these, these compounds that they built. Well, no, we don't see that here as we look in the passage. People are being added to their number daily. What does that mean? That means they are out in the community, they are impacting community. Others are hearing about what's happening and they're attracted. They want to come. And also those from within are going out to share. Now as we go forward from here in the coming weeks, we start looking at chapters 3, 4, 5, and 6. We see this basically small paragraph kind of expounded upon. We see what it looked like. You know, a lot of different stories of these different things happening. But I've basically given you just a list of 12 key things 
that are really good, healthy for our church, for all churches. Uh, I think this is important as we look at our own churches and our life groups and, and talk about moving forward. And I'm going to call, um, I'm going to call you up to share. Do you want to share? So the word of God always, uh, <clears throat> never actually never fails to challenge us. And if you look at uh, Acts two, forty six b and forty seven, it says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. You know, we uh, we want this portion of scripture to challenge us, and that's the reason we have come up with uh, something uh, something new, which you can sign up sign up for. It's called Satkar 2020. Okay. It's the objective here is that we promote a culture of hospitality, togetherness and love in the church. And some of us are really practicing it very well, but we want it to become a culture that that spreads throughout the church. Okay. That's very, very simple. Each family needs to commit to invite at least 20 individuals for a meal at home and you need to break bread together. Sounds simple? Okay. So if you invite a family which has four people, it your count is four. So if you invite five families like that, you're already done for the year. Okay. So the timeline is still December. Is it difficult? Achievable? Yes. So I'm expecting everyone to sign up. So <clears throat> so what do we do? We... Uh, we, so, uh, we are rolling it out in three phases. Today we will roll out uh, and we will send you a link on WhatsApp where you need to register and give your willingness to be a part of uh, Satkar 2020. Following week, we will populate uh, the number of uh, uh, the families that, that are available. And based on where you are staying, you need, you can invite the families. Now, it get it's not that simple it gets a little bit difficult so out of the 20 10 you can invite people whom you know those who are from your lg those who are uh, within within uh, the circle of your influence then it gets a little more difficult so from judea we move to samaria and <laughs> next five people you need to invite you need to stretch yourself and go and meet someone whom you don't know within the church, those who have come new, and you need to invite five such people. And then, let's make it a little more difficult, and we go to the ends of the earth. Five more, that the team will give you, because we expect that, you know, till December, we'll have a lot more new people. So we will assign those additional five, okay? So 10 whom you know, 10 who are new to the church, sorry, five who are new to the church, and five uh, who uh, who will join in the future? Now, uh, the second, uh, this uh, the third stage is reporting. Once you have invited uh, the people over and you've had a good meal, you've had fellowship, take a selfie and send it back to us, and we will be reporting it so that the uh, the momentum is built in this church. So, if you need to know anything about selfies, then a doctor is here. A word of caution. <laughs> a word of caution. LG gatherings, birthdays, anniversaries are not counted in this. So I'm not saying don't have birthdays, don't have LG gatherings. You can have it, but it's not counted in Satkar 2020. Second question, if you're inviting unbelievers, 
then refrain from breaking bread. Okay? So only two. That's it? Yeah, yeah thanks, Dominic. Nice job, Arvin, on the, on the artwork yes, here. Yes, please, please thank uh, Arvin. <laughs> great. So, yeah, I think this will be a, a great effort uh, for all of us to take this serious, to begin connecting and, you know, in community, getting new people involved more uh, could really help us a lot. Um, I'd like us to stand as we close, if you would just stand with me, and we're going to close with a word of prayer. It's been an exciting study as we've been walking through these first two chapters of Acts, seeing how uh, God's plan to take uh, the gospel, the kingdom, advancing the kingdom through uh, his followers, filled with the Spirit. We've talked a lot about the Spirit. I know there may be some here today, um, this is new to you. A lot of what we talked about, this life in the Spirit, walking with Jesus. Uh, you hear these phrases like being born again, that may seem strange. If you'd like to know more about that, if you're interested in walking with Jesus and having a relationship with Him. Uh, we're going to have a time after we finish. There'll be some people here, part of our ministry team, uh, and I'll be up there as well. Love for you to come and just ask questions, and uh, we'd be happy to pray for you. Uh, if you're here and uh, you would say, you know, man, I, I'm really similar to what you were sharing earlier. Um, you know, I'm going to church. I'm trying to do the right things, but I've just never seen a real change in my life. I've never been impacted by God's Spirit, but I'd like that. And if you want prayer or to talk more about that, please come up. And then finally, I want to give an opportunity also. If there are people here that have pain in their body, uh, earlier we had a word about pain on the right side. Is that right? On the right side. Or you have any kind of other pain or ailments and you just need prayer. Uh, we hope that this will become a regular thing that we continually offer times for ministry afterwards. Please come up to the front when we finish. And then uh, we'll, we'll have some time to pray for you. Let's, let's pray together as we wrap up. Father, we just... Thank you, God, for your movement, your activity in our lives. We thank you that you do give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our guide, our, our, um, the power with which we operate and move. God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives. We thank you for this church. God, we thank you that we have opportunity to have community with others here, to grow, to hold one another accountable. And uh, Lord, would you just help us as a church to continue to reach out and impact our community around us so that one day we can say that day by day new people were being added to the church and that this would just become a natural outpouring of your Spirit's work within us. God, we love you and we need you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott, for this.